Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. We're grateful to have you in the house. For, for us, this is going to be the last Sunday, as Nicole was saying, that we're actually physically going to be gathering together as uh, a lot of the people that serve and, and, uh, and give so much week in and week out, they can have that time off like Nicole talked about. Hey, just wanted to let you know a few things coming up in the new year, which can you even believe that we're at the end of 2020, 2020 2021? <laughs> I mean, it just went by like that, right? Starting next year in the month of January, uh, we're excited about a new series that we're jumping into called Visioneering. And it's really engineering your life around a God-sized vision. You know, Proverbs talks about that people without vision perish. But how many of you know the opposite of true is true, that when people have vision, they flourish? And our heartbeat and our goal is that we're really walking in everything that God has for us, that we fulfill the vision, the calling, the destiny that he has on our lives. And as we do that individually, that happens with the church corporately. And so we're going to have a time of really pressing in. And maybe you're sitting here today, you're like, man, I don't know what my vision is. I'm kind of like, you know, trying to feel out there for what my vision would be. I'm trying to refine that and figure out what that is. There's probably no better way I know of to get a vision from God than fasting. And so in the month of January, starting January 23rd, we're going to launch into 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. Now, I know a lot of churches, if you've been around for a while, there's a lot of churches that do this every single uh, January, okay? Don't do it out of a religious habit, okay? When we fast, we don't do it because uh, the church is doing it or because the pastor said to do it. That's great. But I, I would really encourage you, press in and ask, Lord, what would you have me fast and for what am I fasting? For me personally, I'm fasting and praying for the great harvest that's coming in. Uh, every time in my life when I had a friend or a family member that was away from God and I really spent time praying and fasting for them, it was amazing how many Christians came across their path. It was amazing how they ended up walking into church on a Sunday. My wife, some of you know our story, but Fawn was just a name on a prayer card um, at a church where I was a youth pastor at. So I'm, I'm youth pastoring. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I just happened to be a Christian that was older than all the youth. <laughs> so... The pastor felt like God told him that I'd be a good fit. And so I would get up there and, and share my heart as best I could. But man, I, I needed God. I was, I was so dumb. I didn't know what I didn't know, you know. And I would be praying and fasting all the time. And so there was a, uh, I just told everybody, hey, we're just going to write down all the names of people that we, that we know that don't know Jesus, that need to know Jesus. And we're going to put them on these prayer cards. Well, there was a name on a prayer card from this girl named Fawn Fowler. And, uh, and for whatever reason, I would be prompted throughout times of prayer and fasting to pray for her. And, and I actually set aside a day where I was going to fast. I'd never met her, never seen her, nothing. All I knew that she was a name on a prayer card. And then one day she walked in the church and I was like, thank you, Jesus. You answered all of my prayers. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask, think, or imagine. And, you know, coming in 2022, we'll be married 20 years. So it's awesome. So, so prayer and fasting. So I encourage you, put, put, that, put that on your radar. 
uh, take it seriously. I know a lot of people diet after the first of the year. Diet, you know, and in health and workout, that stuff's all good. That'll change the way you look. Fasting will change the way you see. Okay, and so we're gonna we're gonna lean into God and we're gonna be asking, seeking Him for vision uh, for this for this season. And during that time, we're gonna be having pursuit nights. So. The first three Wednesdays of the month, so as we're fasting, every one of the Wednesdays during the time of prayer and fasting, we're going to have pursuit nights here. And our pursuit night, we're going to have a laser-focused one-hour prayer and worship night. Now, what happens if it goes longer? If it goes longer, it goes longer, okay? Uh, but we're going to have a laser-focused one hour of prayer and worship here. I know some of you, you got babies, you got kiddos, you got bed, you got school, you got work, you got obligations, etc. So at 8 o'clock, we'll give the hard, you know, we'll, we'll end, and those that need to leave can leave. And if, they're, if the Spirit's moving, we'll continue on. But for that one hour, we're going to have a laser-focused laser time of prayer. Jesus said, can you not tarry with me one hour? We're going to tarry one hour, okay? So it's going to be an awesome. So put that on your calendars. And I think that's all that I have for you on that. Uh, you know, when we started 2021, uh, the scripture God gave us was out of Psalms 66 verse 5. And it's really our miracle scripture. And it says this, it says, everyone will say, come and see the incredible things that God has done. It's going to take your breath away. He multiplies miracles for his people. And so we passed out these miracle cards, and all throughout this year, people have been writing down miracles of things that God's done in their life. And I just want to encourage you, as you close out the year, don't just like coast into the new year. Take a moment over the Christmas season and really reflect. Really have a moment where you think, man, Lord, what did you do this past year in my life? What did you do this past year? How were you with me through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows? As you look and you reflect on that, more times than not, you're going to see the goodness of God. And when you see the goodness of God, the natural response is going to rise up inside of you is, man, gratitude. And there's something so beautiful. The presence of God I found through the years, and it's scriptural as well, this, the presence of God is attracted to gratitude. When you take a moment to thank him and to praise him, Psalm says, right, he inhabits the praises of his people. When you take a moment of gratitude and just think, God, you've been so good to me. Were there difficult times? Yeah, there was some difficult times. Was there some hard losses? Absolutely. There's some stings there. But man, Lord, you've been faithful. You've been good. And uh, this season is a season of hope because we do have the greatest hope that's ever been in his name is Jesus, you know. But I think, you know, uh, we, we titled this sermon series, A Thrill of Hope, and I felt like as I was uh, praying and fasting and leaning into the Holy Spirit for the last few messages before we closed out the year, I just felt like, man, God was just like, they, people need more hope and people need more joy. Does anybody need more hope and more joy, right? I know, I think Julia Roberts said it best. She said, uh, the last two years have been hard on us all, right? She... <laughs> Come on, it's okay to laugh in church. It's okay. <laughs> Proverbs says it's good like medicine, right? It's good like medicine. All right, you can, you can take it down. You can take it down, this one. <laughs> How many of you sent out Christmas cards? Are you Christmas card people? Are you like picture people? Here, look at my Instagram, and there's my Christmas card. Are you there? How many people actually sent out a physical Christmas card? Yeah. How many people are done shopping, by the way? Are you completely done shopping? Wow. Wow. Okay, honest moment, you, don't, you can't lie because you're in church. 
How many of you have not even started shopping? Wow! You know, there's no time like the present. Sometimes procrastination yields the best decisions. Sometimes not, but sometimes it does. On most Christmas cards, you'll see this famous scripture, and we're going to have kind of two, two uh, key texts that we're going to camp out on today. And that's the first one's going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you're going to read this scripture, and you're saying, I, I've seen this on 20 Christmas cards already, okay? I know. It's one of the most famous ones you're going to see on every Christmas card, but I want us to look at us, look at this scripture with a different, a, a different viewpoint. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, all authority, shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is wanting to meet with you fresh this Christmas season. The everlasting Father is here and he's, he's wrapping his arms around you and reminding you that you're my daughter, you're my son, and I love you. He's here. That wonderful counselor when you're wondering, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm kind of feeling like I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what some of the plan. The wonderful counselor wants to walk into the room and speak to you. He's here with you today. He's our mighty, mighty God. I'm going to pray and we're going to launch into the word today. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, we didn't come to hear a man speak. We came to hear you speak. And so, Lord, as we lean into your scriptures today, your, your holy words to us, God, would you just illuminate some things, give us fresh revelation that brings transformation in our lives. Illuminate things and bring fresh revelation that bring transformation in our lives. Speak, Lord. We're here. We're leaning into you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your, your Bibles there, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read the account of the Christmas story. And this is something in our family that we'll read uh, every year. Before we open presents, we read the Christmas story. Sometimes it's out of Luke 2. Sometimes it's out of Matthew 1. Matthew, if you're not familiar, uh, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four different accounts of the same story of the birth the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So if you want to learn more about Jesus, just read one of the Gospels. You can put that on your reading note. Matthew is the first one of those four Gospels, and this is his account. And he goes through this long list of genealogy, and he's, he's showing and building the case, the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he's building his case for all of his readers to see so that when they read this, they go, oh, now I see it. That makes sense. So Matthew takes this account, we're going to pick it up in verse 18 about the birth of Jesus. Verse 18 says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. And did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her 
was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. The title of today's message is simply God with us. God with us. And it's so beautiful when you think about God being with us. And when we look at the Christmas story, Sometimes we just read over it and we celebrate Christmas, and Christmas is awesome, man. Everything's decorated, the lights are awesome, the presents are awesome, but we forget how miraculous Christmas is. And I'm on a mission today by the Holy Spirit to really teach us, lead us, encourage us into the fact that Jesus is God. He is God. It was immaculate conception. Some people say immaculate. I don't even know what that word is. Actually, you do. And we've used it at different times where you walk into somebody's house and you say, wow, your house looks immaculate. (laughs) It's clean. It's pure. Immaculate. And so here is Joseph having a moment, a dream, and he's feeling things. He's feeling scared. He's not knowing what to do. And he's got this woman whom he loves And her story is a little out there. And I don't know about you, but I found when God has done things in my life, and you try to share that with somebody who's not on the same page, you sound a little crazy, right? I mean, if you take the supernatural things out of the Bible, you're going to have some dead religion, right? And so, but it's God is supernatural. And so th- this, like, this really happened. And so my mission today is really to bring to us the deity of Christ, the deity, the fact that Jesus is God. So I have two points. Point number one, Jesus is God. Matthew 1.18 that we just read, it said, while she was still a virgin, and I underlined it here for us, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's be honest, that's just bananas. That's just wild to think about. I sent a, a text message out to some of our leaders, and I just said, hey, when you think about, Chris, when you think about Christmas, the Christmas story, like, what stands out to you? Like, what's the wow? Like, just, that's just amazing. And, and, and I sent it out to a bunch of people, and, and they all kind of got back to me, and everybody kind of said the same thing, that the, the wow is, man, Mary was a virgin, and she had Jesus, And Jesus is God. Like, that's just mind-blowing. That's beyond comprehension. And Matthew 1.20, it said, The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's an attack on Christianity, on the deity of Christ. And people are deconstructing their Christian views and, 
and they got this, this crazy theology, this woke theology about Jesus and what he did and who he was and everything else. And the reality was when you try to explain away the uh, immaculate conception that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, you're robbing the power of your salvation. And I'm going to show us through the scriptures today how Jesus really was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But it does beg the question, what's so amazing about his life? You know, in the world, everybody celebrates Christmas to some degree. Let me prove it to you. <laughs> You're thinking, not everybody does. People are celebrating Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and whatever, right? And it's like, you know, everybody actually does celebrate Christmas. Uh, they'll celebrate Christmas maybe on Christmas Day with some of us Christians, but they'll all celebrate it when that ball drops on New Year's. Because time is measured by the life of Jesus. We talk about it everywhere you go in the world, whether you're in Turkey, Afghanistan, Japan, Australia, New York, or the great state of California. When people celebrate New Year's this year, they're going to ring in 2022. Why is it 2022? It's 2022 because of the life of Jesus. So time was based, they, they measure it on the significance of this man, Jesus. There's been a lot of great people that have lived through the years and died. We don't measure time by their life. Only Jesus. So all around the world, different faiths, everybody, when they celebrate, they'll talk about time as before Christ and then A.D., which A.D. doesn't stand for after death. It's, it's, it's Anno Domini. And so B.C. is before Christ. So people will share, well, this happened in, you know, 740 B.C., right? Or this happened in 32 A.D. What is A.D.? Some people said it's after death. It doesn't mean after death. If it was after death, uh, we would have a 33 and a half year gap in our time frame, all right? Some of you are computing that. It's like before Christ, then after death, Jesus has that gap of 33 and a half years. So A.D., it's, it's Latin, Anno Domini, and it actually means the year of our Lord. So this year... As we celebrate Christmas, it is the 2021st year of our Lord. That's one of the most amazing things in the world, that everybody measures time based on his life. And there's over 300 prophecies in the Bible about Jesus. They're, they're, they're messianic prophecies. A messianic scripture or a messianic prophecy, really simply, it's just a prophecy or a scripture that pertains to the coming Messiah. So in the Old Testament, there's over 300 of them. And I'm just going to look. I'm just going to show us a few of them. In Genesis 2, 22, verse 18, it says that Jesus, or the Messiah, would be through the lineage of Abraham. And then it goes on in Numbers 24 that not just Abraham, Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. It said not only is it going to be one of Abraham's kids, and grand, it's actually going to come through the lineage of Jacob. And then Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, uh, which, by the way, Isaiah has more prophecies, more messianic prophecies than any other person in the Old Testament. Isaiah prophesies that it's actually the, it's going to come through the lineage of Jesse. Okay, who's Jesse? Well, it gets we're fine we're fine tuning this. We're getting more in the funnel here. Jeremiah twenty three and then Second Samuel says that it's not just going to be Jesse. Jesse had a lot of sons. So which son is the lineage going to th come through? It's going to come through his youngest son David, King David. 
And then not just through King David. So that's where we get the family line from. But then it says, okay, so we got that it's going to be through that family line. Okay, through, somewhere through King David. King David's the one who threw the stone, knocked out Goliath. He gets crowned king. That's through that lineage. But where was he going to be born? As we talked about last week in Micah 5, 2, it was very plain that he would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14 said that he would be born of a virgin. Now get this, Isaiah 7.14, that was written, the prophet Isaiah wrote that 740 years before Christ was born. Right? 740 years. America's only been around 245 years. 740 years before Jesus is born. Isaiah has this prophecy, which is amazing. If you read that story in Isaiah 7:14, it's not like he's just sitting there saying, Lord, what's the Messiah going to be like? And he writes this. No, he's actually having a conversation with King Ahaz, who is the king over Judah. He was not a good king. And uh, he's the king over Judah. And he's, uh, Syria is besieging him. And he's making a deal with the Assyrians, a different nation. And he's going to sell the children of Israel to the Assyrians so that he can save his own hide. And Isaiah comes to him and he says, no. You don't have to worry. There's actually a sign that's coming. This is going to be a sign to you that there's going to be a virgin that's going to be born. I always thought that was mind-blowing. Like, how is that a sign to King Ahaz that 740 years later, a Messiah is going to be born? It's a sign because, in other words, King Ahaz, you're freaking out that all this stuff is going to overtake you, but God's plan is bigger than what's coming against you. And if there's breath in your lungs, that means he ain't done with you yet. So you don't have to worry about this threat that's coming against you because God's on the throne and he's got a plan that's bigger than what you see before your eyes. So that was King Ahaz. Sorry to digress. Psalm 72, it says that he would be worshipped by shepherds and foreign kings. Sound familiar? Sounds like the Christmas story to me, right? Jeremiah 31, it refers to actually King Herod where he would murder the children. That happened. In Hosea 11.1, that they would live in Egypt, that the Messiah would come up out of Egypt. Jesus actually lived in Egypt for a little season when he was a little kid because his parents were fleeing. Okay, and there's, there's hundreds of these prophecies, over 300. I just went through nine, right? There, there's, there's so many different prophecies. What's the likelihood of this happening? Let me give you an example. There was a study that was done by a, a professor. Um, he was the chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College. Okay? Um, so here he is, mathematician, astronomer. Okay? If you've ever met a mathematician, their brain works in a different way. Right? Some of you are like, you know, you, you, we, we start talking addition, multiplication, and it's like, you lost me. All right? Okay? So this guy is an expert mathematician and astronomer, and he grabbed 600 of his students at the college years ago, and he said, hey, we're going to go through and we're going to look at some of these prophecies, and we're going to see what the probability would be for one person to fulfill just 10 of them. We're just going to look at 10 of them, let alone all 300 of these, right? Just 10 of them. So what he did is uh, they did this, and they concluded that the, the chances of one person fulfilling just 10 of the over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah, the chances of that happening was one in 10 to the 17th power. And I know I just lost probably like 98% of the room. So what does that look like? Well, one in 10 is easy for us to comprehend, right? If I take uh, uh, 10 people here in the room and I wrote your name on a piece of paper, and so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then I shook it up, and I came over here to Isaac, and I said, Isaac, pick a, pick a name out of the hat. Well, there's one in ten chances of you winning, right? We can understand that, one in ten. 
Okay, 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Here's what that professor and those 600 students concluded. And this is a, this is a really good visual. They concluded that it would be like if you took a silver dollar and you poured out as many silver dollars as you could to cover the state of Texas. I think we have maybe a map or something up there. So this is the nation of California. This is the nation of Texas, okay? So Texas right there. So if you covered this entire state with silver dollars and not just cover it, now make it two feet deep because of the, the small thickness of those coins. Make it two feet deep, so it's about that, across the entire state. And then you said, all right, Jeff, we're going to blindfold you. And we've marked one of these silver dollars. And if you can find the right one, you're the winner, man. Okay. What's the likelihood of me? And you could drop me and you could say, Jeff, you can go all the way to the Rio Grande. You can go over here to Louisiana, up there over to, you know, New Mexico, whatever. You, you, all this stuff. You can go up to Oklahoma. You can all the borders, all, all the way down to the tip there. Whatever you can. If you pick the one, you're the winner. Silver dollars across the state, two feet deep. The likelihood of one man fulfilling just 10 of the 300 plus prophecies. That, that would be the likelihood of them grabbing the right one. That's how mind-blowing it is. So either it was an amazing coincidence or it was the design of God. I believe it's the design of God. So my point number one, Jesus is God. Point number two, Jesus is God with us. So Isaiah writes this, he pens this. He says, therefore, in Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay, so the question comes up is, why is his name Emmanuel if, and, and Joseph named him Jesus? <laughs> it's a good question, right? So the angel appears and says to Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus. Isaiah writes 740 years before that, they will call him Emmanuel. How is that? Uh, if it's hard for us to understand. Some of us understand, especially those that have kids, you understand that your name has meaning, right? Especially when you're naming your kids, you're thinking, what's, what's their name going to mean, right? And so everybody comes up with these cool names like Grace or Faith, right? Or, uh, you know, like we named our kids Brighton Joy, and she's just a joy, right? Juliana Grace, you know, River Josiah, August Justice, you know, we came up with these strong names. My parents named me, my name is Jeffrey Michael Peterson, okay? Direct descendant of Peter. That's what my dad tells me. But so I certainly have been known to have Peter's temper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Michael Peterson. So my name, Jeffrey, that's my proper name. My meaning, the meaning of that name is heavenly peace. I know, I know you were waiting for like wow. And Michael, Michael means gift of God. <laughs> Don't think I'm narcissistic, okay? My parents named me. I did not pick my own name, okay? <laughs> Jeffrey Michael. So, heavenly peace, gift of God. Okay, Jesus was his proper name, okay? Emmanuel is what they would call him. They would say, that's God with us. So, Jesus, let me break this down for you. So, Jesus, also known as Yeshua or Joshua, means salvation, literally salvation. 
Uh, Joshua, that name Joshua. So if you remember um, back in the book of Numbers, I want to say it's Numbers 13, Moses changed the name of Yoshea to Joshua. Joshua, who goes into the promised land, Moses kind of hands the baton to him, right? Joshua, you read, you know, Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Okay, Joshua's name, he was not named Joshua at birth. Moses changed his name to Joshua, okay? His name was Hosea. When they added the J, it was actually a Y, like a Y, and that, that was stood for Yahweh, and it was God is salvation. So when they changed, when Moses changed his name, your name's not just salvation, Hosea, your name is God is salvation, Joshua. So Jesus, Yeshua, would be actually the Hebrew way to say it. Joshua would be like the Greek spelling, the iteration that we have through, through text. And, but his name is Jesus. Does that make sense? Jesus, Yeshua, also Joshua, right? So Yeshua. In fact, the name of Jesus is actually attacked, has always been attacked. If you go to Israel to this day, they won't refer to him as Jesus or Yeshua. They will say Yeshu. They won't say Yeshua. Because then that admits that he was salvation. So they were referred to him as Yeshu. So Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, salvation, Emmanuel means God with us. So he is salvation with us. Salvation has come to us. He is our Emmanuel. So Psalms, let me show you some scriptures now. And if you think of salvation, these are some scriptures where you can interchange salvation with Yeshua. Check this out. Psalms 14, 7. Oh, that the salvation, Yeshua of Israel, would come out of Zion. That Yeshua, the Savior, would come out of Zion. Psalm 40, 16. Let those who love your salvation, let those who love Yeshua, the Lord, say continually, the Lord be magnified. Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, Yeshua. Sustain me with a willing spirit, then eight days after Jesus is born, his parents bring him into the temple, and there's an old guy that's in there, and, and he's worshiping Simeon, and Simeon actually takes Jesus into his arms. So here he is, he's holding Jesus, the baby, Yeshua, and he says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus is salvation. He is God with us. The deity of Christ makes Christmas different than just any other holiday. The deity of Christ is what makes Christianity different than any other faith. The deity of Christ. Religion is simply man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is where God came to man. That's the difference. I don't even like to say that Christianity is a religion because it's not. It's really not. And it's not a catchphrase. Oh, it's not a religion. It's a relationship, right? You know, people say that. It's not just a catchphrase. Christianity really is all about relationship. It is salvation that God came to us. Religion is man's failed, ugly attempt to do our best, to try harder, to somehow earn favor with God. And God flips the scripts and gives us Jesus. And he was born of incorruptible seed. The seed had not been corrupted. So what's important about this? So Jesus was born of a woman, but his seed, the seed, came from God. So in the Old Testament, ten times you'll see 
that the, the iniquity, the sins, are passed to generations through the Father. So the iniquities are passed down through the Father. Ten times in the Old Testament it says that specifically. The iniquities were passed from the Father to the children. It never says that iniquities are passed from the mom to the children. And some of you moms are like, I knew it. That's not my fault. The reason they don't listen, it's all your fault. No, that's not what we're saying. So the seed couldn't come from a man because when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, now that seed would come through Adam and it could not come through Adam. It had to come through God himself. I know some of your minds are like, just kind of catching that thought. So it, it was the egg of a woman, but it was the seed of God. Mary carried Jesus, but it was God's seed. And it's incorruptible seed. You know when you're born again, that you're not, it says in the Bible that you're now born of incorruptible seed. So those things that may have gotten passed down to you generationally, things that were spoken over your life, things that your dad passed down, your family lineage, your, whatever it is, and we all got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. No family's perfect. Mine's not either, okay? That stuff that gets passed down, that gets canceled out. When we put our faith in Christ, it's actually, First Peter talks about it as incorruptible seed. It says, you have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So Jesus wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't a messenger. A lot of people say, well, Jesus was just a prophet, or he was a good teacher, or he was a nice guy, or he, you know. No, no, no. He, he was, Jesus is God. He was, he is, and will always be God. God didn't, um, he didn't just send a messenger. He, he, he wanted to give the message himself. God didn't just send a redeemer. He actually came and redeemed you himself. That's Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word referring to Jesus. John 1.14, and the Word became what? Flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. So what does that mean? Jesus was full of grace and truth. He's gracious and kind towards me, but he's just, and he'll speak truth to me. It's like, um, you know, Jesus had this way with people. Zacchaeus is up in the tree looking down, and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And we don't know what was said over the meal, but we see the result of him spending a moment with Jesus. He gave back four times. That's what he had stolen from people. The word became flesh, dwelt among, and grace says, Zacchaeus, I forgive you. Truth says, Zacchaeus, what do you think you need to do about this? Right? Some Christians, they never want to confront somebody because it's too painful to confront and ruin potentially the relationship. But if you see somebody that's going off the edge of a cliff morally, you just don't go, I'm praying for you. I love you. God loves you. Jesus thinks you're amazing, man. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Blah! You know? What did you do to save him? No. The love of God actually compels us 
to confront people with the love of God. That means if somebody sees something wrong in my life, then as a brother in the Lord, I'm expecting them to lovingly point out that thing that's wrong. He comes with grace, and he comes with truth. Jesus became flesh, the only begotten Son, right? 1 John 4, verse 2 through 3 says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Now listen closely to this. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus, does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. John's writing this, by the way. Some of you are wondering, is the spirit of the Antichrist in this world? John wrote it. It's still around, okay? Second John, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Why am I saying this? Jesus came in the flesh. Some people say, well, he was God. That's how he was able to do everything. Correct. But he was also human. That's the way he was able to die for your sins. Because God can't be killed, right? God can't die. God's forever. So how is that? Jesus had to be human and he had to be God. He had to be, there was a, the divine nature and then there was the human nature that he had. If he didn't really become a human, then he couldn't really die and pay the penalty for our sins. Uh, let me give you an example. I was talking to a pastor and he had shared this story. There's a, a man in his church that's a judge, a friend of his, and, uh, and from time to time, somebody gets a speeding ticket and goes to the judge, small town, he says, you know, hey, I'd really love it if you could help me take care of that ticket. And uh, the judge says, uh, okay, I, you know, let me see what I can do. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And then uh, a few times people come up to him later on, a few weeks later, and say, hey, judge, thanks for helping me take care of that ticket. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, no problem. And he goes, man, thank you for dismissing it. And the judge says, oh, I didn't dismiss it guy goes, what? The judge says, I paid it. How could I be a just judge if I dismissed the wrong that you did? Unless you weren't really speeding. Were you really speeding? Yeah, I was really speeding. Well, then the penalty had to be paid. Sometimes we just think that we just get dismissed this grace, wave of the arm, your sins are forgiven type of a thing. No, they were paid. Yeah, they are forgiven. But God is a just God. And the penalty of sin is death. And the penalty was paid through Jesus. And the world attacks these two facts, that Jesus was God, that Jesus was man. This is the greatest story ever told. And it's true. <laughs> This is true. Jesus isn't some fictitious character. You don't measure time by a person that was just made up. You don't measure time by somebody that was just a good man. Jesus was God. Jesus is God with us. And I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, when he comes into your life, he doesn't, he doesn't just like teachers give you like ideas or prophets would speak a word to change the trajectory of your life. Jesus not only does that, but he gives you the power to actually do that. 
He says, I want you to forgive that person <laughs> that you don't want to forgive. And you're going to see them on Christmas. <laughs> Jesus says, I want you to forgive that person. And then he says, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the power to forgive that person. That's the Savior that we have. Hebrews 2.14 has this reminder. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. So I want to go back to where we started. I'm going to read this scripture again, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I want you to see it with fresh eyes. God with us. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. You can read that and almost miss it. A child is born, his humanity. A son is given, his divinity. I'm going to have the worship team join me up front, and we're going to close with prayer this morning. As we, um, as I prepared and prayed and leaned into the Holy Spirit, and we titled this sermon series, A Thrill of Hope, and that we need more hope. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. If your body's sick, we take medicine to help our body, right? What do you take when your heart's sick? That's Jesus. Jesus can heal you in areas that medicine will never be able to get to. He removes hurts, scars, pain from the past, heartbreak and loss. And today he just wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And like oil, he's pouring it on you, filling in all those areas and reaching areas where no medicine, no drug could ever get to to heal. We're going to have a moment of communion. And as we have this time of communion, just individually, just take a moment, do business with God. When I take communion, I like to reflect on all the things that he did for me. When I take the bread and when I take the cup, I think about how Jesus changed my life, how he healed my life how he changed my heart. And if you're here today and you're like, I need healing, I need life, all you have to do is call out to him. It says those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And he meets with people. It says draw near to God and he's faithful to draw near to you. So as we have this time of communion, whenever you feel ready, at your own pace. We have communion on both sides up here at the front of the altar. I just want to encourage you just to have a moment with God. Just have a moment with Him.
It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, Paul writes this. He says, you know, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation, or is it not participation in the blood of Christ? It is. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. You know, in the Garden of Eden, a lot of people know the story of Adam and Eve. And just for sake of illustration, let's, let's say that Adam wasn't with Eve when she sinned. Let's say Adam was, now he was, he was with her. He didn't protect her. He didn't guard her. Adam's just as fault as Eve was. But let's just say for the sake of illustration that Adam's on the other side of the garden. Eve's all by herself. She's led away. She's deceived. And a conversation happens. And God walks up and says to Adam, he says, son, I'm, I'm so sorry. I have some bad news for you. Your wife, she sinned. And that penalty is death. What would Adam's response have been? Any good husband, can I take her place? I don't want her to die. I, I, I want her to have a relationship with you. And if anybody has to go, I'll go. Right now, we know that didn't take place. This is just an illustration, okay? But I think a conversation like that probably took place. And it was when Adam and Eve sinned. And the father came to the son and he said, son, I'm so sorry. They sinned and they're going to be cut off from me. And Jesus said, I'll take their place. The beautiful thing about Christmas is he took the place so that you could have forgiveness and everlasting life. on that. Jesus, I thank you so much. Thank you for being born. Thank you for living and thank you for going to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that we could have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit. We just ask you to come and speak to us today. Those that need healing, God, I pray they'd receive healing. Those that need hope, God, help them find hope today. God, that you would just pour your oil out. Fill, heal all the areas that need to be filled and healed and set free. In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.